0: Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. This is Drew Olson, and on the other line, we got him for a wheelbarrow full of gam and an intergalactic roster spot. It's Sean Steffen. What's up, brother? Hey, everyone. What's up? And on the other, other line, he's got upside. Great appetite for the game. He's got grit. He's motivated. It's A.J. Barnold. What's up, man? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Did I say your name correctly? You did. Phenomenal. Uh, we're doing a podcast. Uh, Sean, what's, uh, give us an update on your life, please.
1: Uh, I'm not sure I'm allowed to. Yeah? Yeah.
0: So you're in the CIA now?
1: Possibly. Or right. the KGB.
0: That's probably more realistic.
1: At this point. <laughs> I think it's the same thing at this
0: point. Yeah. Well, the KGB is probably more respected than the White House, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, uh, uh, AJ, thanks for uh, joining us, man. Uh, you mind just giving us a, a quick rundown of, you know, how you're a real paid soccer analyst, dude, and, like, what you do? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I'm on, on the coaching staff at University of Virginia uh, with the men's team. Um, formerly a, an assistant coach at a couple different places before I got to Charlottesville. Uh, but now I'm specifically on the analytics side of things.
1: Yeah, Virginia is one of the few schools that does do analytics. Um, I know, our good friend of the show, Oliver Gage, uh, was uh, took them to the national championship, and uh, I guess you you took over for him uh, once he uh, moved on to Houston.
2: Yeah, um, I knew Ollie previously, and so when when he went off to Houston, um, I was able lucky enough to to get the opportunity at UVA. Um, Slowly but surely, there's there's more and more schools starting starting to uh, uh, employ somebody to do this full time. Um, whether it's it's as a full time gig or uh, as a graduate assistant, um, uh, there's a couple others in the ACC, and then and then a couple others scattered around the country. Um, but it's it's starting to make its way in.
0: And uh, I know Ollie won a national championship. How many national championships have you won? Uh,
2: n- unfortunately, zero. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's the plan though. Eventually. Um, I, I would like one of those giant rings as well.
0: Well, we'll, we'll have to have you on the podcast once, uh, once that happens.
2: Hopefully. Although if, if I follow the same path Holly did, then, uh, then I'll get employed by a
0: club and I won't be allowed to talk to you guys. So that's true. Hopefully it's in a better place than Houston. <laughs> I played the oh, fin-
1: cold, cold.
0: Uh, but I uh, obviously don't speak for AJ, who I'm sure will t- accept employment anywhere. Um, cool. Uh, you guys want to actually talk about some uh, some soccer?
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I see it's on the agenda. Yeah. The agenda you sent just saying talk soccer.
0: Yeah, one bullet. Talk soccer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have, you mentioned before we got started that we haven't had a podcast since uh, MLS Cup. Uh, so, assuming it's ended by now, um, Sean, let's please give us your full analysis of that game. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, wrong team won. Uh, <laughs> wrong team won. It's astounding that you can win a game without a shot on goal, but uh, there it is. But to be fair to the Sounders, they have deserved it in the past, and not won. so uh, you know, in very MLS fashion, their least deserving team winning is very. Uh, is very MLS.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people being like, oh, I wouldn't want my team to win if they didn't get a shot on goal. Look, I'm a Timbers fan. Last year, if you would have told me we would have won the Cup, and with zero shots on goal, I would have taken that in a second. But uh, other than that, I don't think there's anything else to say about the game. Is there? AJ, you have anything to add?
2: Um, I found the whole shot on goal thing interesting because uh, I wasn't at UVA yet, but uh, we got ravaged by uh, pretty much everyone the year we won a national championship when Ali was here um, for playing too defensively, uh, but at least had a couple shots on target in that game. Whereas (laughs) Seattle on the other hand uh, did not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think it goes back to the age old saying, uh, scoreboard bitches, right? (laughs) That's kind of what it comes down to. Um, Okay. So I think that's more than needs to be said about the MLS cup. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to something more recent, which is to say it happened in the last month, uh, which is that Jurgen Klinsman got fired, which I, I'm very pleased about and have been advocating for in this podcast for, what, a year and a half, two years now. Um,
1: I'm pretty sure we were, seminal- we were a big part of, uh, our push to make it happen is what is, was really the final straw.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't have any
1: sources on that, but it's, I think it's solid speculation.
0: I emailed Sunil Gulati multiple times. And he replied. Uh, actually, both times I think it was the, an identical form email that I got back. Um, so I can only assume that, uh, you know, we were instrumental in, in letting go of Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Bruce Arena got hired as head coach. Sean, you're familiar with him uh, because, I, oh, I always want to say that he's the one that, you're the reason he went after analytics, but it was really Matt Doyle, right?
1: Yeah, it was Matt Doyle, yeah.
0: But... Can we safely say that, uh, Bruce Arena, does he know who you are? And if so, does he think as low of you as we do?
1: I don't think he knows who I am. No. Um, so, yeah.
0: Uh, Didn't you – did you ever – weren't you supposed to, like, dress up in a mascot outfit and interview him or something?
1: If – okay. Had I – I had a bet with Cosmo, the Galaxy mascot, that uh, if he beat me in fantasy, I was going to dress up in his taco, its famous taco outfit, and, and interview Bruce Arena. Um, I won that bet, so I have a signed Cosmo um, jersey, and yeah, I kind of wanted to lose, but uh, at the same time, I think of all the people to interview in a, like, I'd be fine interviewing anyone else in a taco suit, Bruce Arena would be super intimidating, because I don't, you know, he would make it even more uncomfortable, and just, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't, he's an intimidating man, Bruce Arena, he's yeah. just an intimidating man, so being in a taco suit would make it worse.
0: Is he on the record as to his opinion on tacos?
1: Uh, I don't think so. No, I've heard him talk about Fifty Shades of Grey before.
0: Okay, what did he say about Fifty Shades of Grey?
1: It was actually making fun of a journalist for going to for going to see it. That was uh, <laughs> that was the uh, that was all of it. So I guess he wasn't really on record about Fifty Shades of Grey, other than um, get, ribbing the journalist for going to see it. <laughs>
2: Being journalists is just all the rage these days.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I love that um, people were um, – one of the big criticisms of Clinton was that, you know, he for the way he treats the media. And then now everyone's, like, super for Arena being hired. It's just like, you know it's going to be worse with Arena. Arena's really going to be good on many fronts. But in terms of the media, you're going to get less from him. Um, he's going to be, you know, uh, meaner with the press. I don't know, I think uh it's an, it's interesting that people think he might be better in that regard,
0: yeah, and there's a certain sense of irony that well, at least I definitely was in favor of that your arena hiring um and there's you know, and I don't know if you were as well, but amusing that a lot of a lot of people, especially in the analytics community, have kind of were hoping arena would get hired, and there's probably no one that's been more vocal about their disdain for analytics and soccer than Bruce arena. So,
1: yeah, well, I mean, we're all hypocrites. It's true. Well, I mean, he's a guy that I trust to know the player pool and put out the best players, and that's all that really matters in in
0: the Hex. So, um,
1: and that was the Gearing Klitsman's one job, and he never fulfilled that one job, so uh, that's why he was fired.
0: Indeed. Uh, you get. Uh, we could run through the roster real quick, but um, maybe let's just do it this way because everybody's probably heard it by now. Any any particular things you guys want to make note of? I mean, I think the most obvious one is Zussi listed as a defender, um, which is an interesting experiment that I guess he's played a little bit for SKC. Um, but really, is, I think it's kind of the only actual experiment on this roster, right? I mean, which is something we really criticized Klinsman for a lot, which was that he preferred to experiment in World Cup qualifiers rather than Camp Cupcake. Um I guess there's no question there, but do you have any guys have any thoughts on you know this roster and how guys are going to fit in here?
1: Not really. I mean, it's it's camp cupcake. I mean, you can get maybe one or two players that are going to go through to the from the bubble to you know maybe the bench. So uh, it's more of a something to note afterwards because if someone's included in cupcake, it doesn't really mean anything unless they shine. So. I've always find it hard to comment on, you know, it's nice Benny's back, obviously. Um, if Bruce can give Benny uh, a chance, that's wonderful. But at the same time, the question now, the whole Benny thing's kind of irrelevant, in my opinion, so I don't know. I mean, there, there are some good storylines in there. I'd like to have seen Holling Ted, but I don't think uh, anyone other outside the analytics community actually truly understands how good Holling Ted is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say. I think
2: the the interesting one for me is going to be if and where Darlington Nagby plays, um, especially from an analytics viewpoint with the, the recent discussion from, from Caleb Porter saying he wants to play him out wide. And analytics maybe suggesting that's not his best place, but who knows?
1: Well, well didn't, the, didn't Caleb Porter say analytics says that that's his best? I, I would he love did. to know what metrics they're using for that because I – I've, the analytics I've seen uh, would, uh, would suggest the opposite, so I'm not really sure what metrics they're using for playback.
0: This is just pure speculation on my ha- behalf, but Chris Reifer from Stumptown Footy, who's about the best cover you know, the best Twitter follower you can have for Timbers news, wrote an article over the holidays, I think like in December, where he basically went through all of Nagby's games and looked and see what position he was playing. And Reifer kind of came to the conclusion that Nagby was at his best at the 10, which obviously really isn't an option um, with a healthy midfield for the Timbers with Valeri. And came to the conclusion that Nagby was at his best, or had the best stats anyway, when he was on left wing. Um, and knowing what I do about the Timbers analytics team, I would guess that really probably Caleb Porter just read that article. That's just a hunch, though.
1: Oh, oh, man. Hot fire. Yeah. Uh,
0: what do you guys think of uh, the fact that Lee Wynn wasn't included? I feel like nobody is mad about that except for me. I, I mean, I guess it, there's no probably no place for him to fit in to an actual World Cup qualifier just because the position he plays were already pretty set there. Um, but he's a good player that has been really good in MLS the last couple years, and um, I kind of feel like is the only guy that I would have included in here that uh, Arena did not. Sean, are you as offended as I am?
1: Not really, because I don't think Wen's going to make um, uh, uh, any. I don't think he's going to crack. It, for me, it's all about the who's going to crack the first team from this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Wen has a shot at cracking the first team. I think we have better options at ten, at the ten, if we're going to even play with the ten, um, and you know more two-way options as well. Uh, if we're going to have a more like a fail hober uh, a question, uh, both of whom are, you know, I would argue more creative and more two way. So yeah, I just, um, I'm not offended, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it he's, this is definitely, you could have given them a nod by including them in this roster. If you want to look at the January camp as a way of saying, give, giving an attaboy to a player.
0: Yeah, I guess it's a mindset thing, right? If presumably I think arena is probably just trying to get ready to win in world cup qualifiers to get out of the last place on the hex. Um, which is, you know, probably the right thing to do given the circumstances. Um, but if if it was being thought of as something where you know it's a place to reward players for good MLS seasons, then then probably would have made more sense. But it's probably not his mindset right now. Yeah, um, probably not. Yeah. Okay. Um. You guys have any last thoughts on USMNT? Otherwise, I'll move on to the draft.
1: Nope. I was going to go over to camp to, to watch uh, practice, but I couldn't make it. So, sorry, I don't have any more insights on who's playing where and all that.
2: Um, I think a little uh, – an interesting point. Granted, it's, uh, as we affectionately call it, Camp Cupcake, uh, and, and the European guys aren't in it. But I, I, I think related to the draft, sort of a segue into the draft uh, and how there's always questions about how the college game plays into the, the development system um I, I looked back 23 of the guys in the camp currently uh played at college um hmm. not that not that that is sort of <laughs> means that college is the best stepping stone but uh I, I think it certainly says something that that many guys at least did play in the college system and and um didn't go straight either weren't homegrowns or or didn't go straight to europe or whatever it may be um yeah like like i said it's it's Camp Cupcake, and it's not maybe the first, the full first team, but um, uh, that number actually impressed me. It was more than I expected. Yeah. So who is
0: that? It's Josie, it's Bradley, it's. um, Um, I have it here. Let's see.
2: Hamid went straight to MLS. Um, Beasley, Garza, we're not college guys. Hmm. Um, Acosta, Bradley, Jones, Legette, Mane, Agadello, and Altador. Um, Everyone else played in college at least one season.
0: And it's interesting because most of those guys are on the older side, so they've been out, you know, for, you know, if they had gone to college, they would have been out for a while anyway. So it's an interesting, you know, maybe that's an argument that the college game is doing better to develop it, and, you know, it's becoming more important than it used to be.
1: Well, I mean, this is a great segue into um, our draft discussion, but sometimes I see Twitter discussions about, how uh, the draft is becoming irrelevant. And I, it blows my mind because I, I just think we're nowhere near a point in, because people will cite, like, oh, the Galaxy keep trading out of the draft. Or, you know, everyone's got academies. And it's like, we are nowhere near a point where the main source of players isn't going to – of American players isn't going to be the college draft. We're nowhere near that point. And, you know, I don't even think we're, like, four or five years from a point where the draft – where college soccer is going to be obsolete – So, yeah, to me, it's still very, very important, the college game. Um, Obviously, there's a lot lot wrong with the college game that I would like to see corrected. Um, You know, pretty much everything that you can think of. It seems like it was specifically, the rules of college soccer are specifically written to piss off soccer fans. Like, we're going to do golden goal. The clock's going to go the wrong direction. We're going to allow mass substitutions. We're going (laughs) to do, like, everything that, you know, just to anger. But at the same time, it develops players. It does do that. And, you know, there's some changes that I think could be made to help develop players in a better way, but it's still an integral part of our system.
2: I think it's it's also the, the, the other American sports and the way that the importance of their draft, uh, the NFL draft, the NBA draft, I, I think that maybe kind of uh, skews people's views. Because um, in those yeah. drafts, you get you get franchise-changing players every year. Uh, in the MLS draft, it's not necessarily the case because there's so many other avenues of getting players. In the mm-hmm. NFL, you get all your players through college.
1: Right. right. Yeah, you yeah. don't bring an Argentinian quarterback. Right. To save your team.
0: Well, right, and there's also the fact that we have to deal with that, you know, it's obviously not the best league in the world, whereas mm-hmm. <laughs> in right. NFL, hockey, they're all the best leagues in the world, so they're getting the best players that are available to them. Um, whereas if you know, a guy can go and play in the Premier League. I don't know if this has ever happened, but if they could go play in the Premier League, then they're going to do that. Um,
1: wait, wait, wait! You don't know if it's ever happened that an American is playing Premier League. What? what? <laughs> Qualify that statement. Out of <laughs> college, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yes, it's happened.
0: It has happened.
1: Yeah. Who? Right out. I'm...
0: Right out of college.
2: AJ would know. If I, to, if I had to guess one of them, it might be John Harks.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that was way back when, obviously, but um, uh, he played <laughs> at UVA and then I think went straight from there to she he Sheffield.
1: Oh, Sheffield he went to Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, very happy for him. Hopefully, he's not the first day and the last. But hopefully, his son ends up in MLS as well. Yeah, he hasn't been picked yet, has he? Uh, uh,
2: he's a, he belongs, his rights belong to DC United, oh, I believe. Oh, that's right, he's and They're trying to sign him as a homegrown, but, uh, I think he has some European interests from somewhere, so, that's been kind of the tug of war.
0: Okay, so let's, kind of, I guess this is another way of rephrasing what we were just talking about, but, and kind of in response to what Sean said about people saying that draft is irrelevant, um. Which, first of all, how can something be super and irrelevant? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but uh, I guess it could be super irrelevant. But uh, is so, it called the
2: Super Draft because there's like six other drafts?
1: <laughs> I it might, yeah. I mean, well, I think they just like the term somehow? super. Remember, super? We had Super Superliga. I think they just like yeah. the term super.
0: <laughs> super extra draft. Um, if they could rebrand,
1: it would be Super MLS. Super super major <laughs> league soccer.
0: Super MLS soccer. The yeah. <laughs> um, super MLS.
1: Yeah. The yeah, super yeah. The uh, SMLS.
0: Okay. Uh, so so basically what I was getting at is that it's interesting because there's this kind of dichotomy maybe between the fact that. There's always good players that get picked in the draft, and there's also players that are clearly not MLS quality that are picked in the draft, right? I mean, I, I, as AJ and I were talking before, we started recording, and it's like the same draft that had Darlington Nagby go number two, the top pick was Omar Salgado. Um, and it's clearly we're not in a place where the talent analysis or the, you know, the ability to judge ability is good enough that, you know, basically the top player is going to be taken first. The second best player is going to be taken second and on down the line, you know, for every Kyle Lahren, there's a, you know, I was, I was actually, I went back and reread some of the old, um, winners and losers from super drafts. So like 2013, I think it was, uh, you know, love Matt Doyle, but he wrote one that said that the Timbers were one of the winners because they got Dylan Tucker Ganges, um, who he was high on, you know, and that's the same draft, I think, that, you know, like, Kukuta Mane I think, came in, too. So it's a, I guess that's a long way of saying that, is this a sign that MLS has a long way to go in terms of, like, scouting talent, or is this something that's unavoidable? I mean, Anthony Bennett got drafted number one overall in the NBA, what, three years ago, and now it doesn't in the league anyway. So maybe it's just something that's inevitable and that we'll never have a system for it. Um, but maybe I'll kick this unit to you, AJ. Like, are there a lot of MLS scouts at your games Are do they know what they're doing? Um, and what's, what do you think is the biggest barrier to teams judging these players that they're about to draft?
2: Um, to be honest, uh, there were fewer than I would expect um, that, that, Personally, came and watched games and watched games live. Um, there's there's been a few over the couple of years, um, and certainly as you get later in the season, as you get into the the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, uh, the spotlight's on a little bit more. Um, plus, at that time, MLS teams are starting to be done with their season or knocked out of the playoffs. Um, but um, it, it's interesting because I, I think. There's teams that do their due diligence and, and do pay enough attention, and then there's others that I think maybe put a little too much on the combine, um, which the, the combine's a difficult situation for players uh, being thrown into a, a team that doesn't know each other, doesn't really have a system, whereas in your college team, you've you've been there for three or four years and you're used to it. Um, you're a little more comfortable. Um I think that's maybe seen in a player like uh, Ja'Cory Hayes, where the the question has kind of been, what is his position in MLS? Um, but in the system that he played in, in at Wake under Bobby Muse, uh, he it was perfectly built for him to to kind of go where he pleased and and play to his strengths. Um,
0: and Ja'Cory uh, Hayes was a guy that was in some drafts like going to go top five, right? And then he ended up what he dropped to eighteen. It looks like yeah, he yeah. dropped
1: really low. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that um,
0: it reminds me, in a way, of um, Christian Dawn, right? Wasn't he like a consensus number one, and then ended up dropping to like 19 when the Sounders got him? Um,
2: yeah, he was he was pretty high and and dropped off pretty far and and I think he he just had a mediocre combine yeah. and I think that hurt him and now he's uh, playing a ton of minutes and helping teams win MLS cups. So
1: Campbell for the Fire that uh, was a center back who went really. Had a really poor combine as well. Um, it, it blows my mind that people. It's just kind of like um, tournament scouting when people uh, like watch a tournament. It's like when people get bought because of how well they did in the World Cup. It's like that's not good scouting. Your sample yeah. size is low. <laughs> you're, you're, like the the whole idea that the combine means anything is mind blowing to me.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a couple different things that I think play into the their ability to scout college games. Um, uh, there's obviously it's difficult for them to get out to games, especially because there's so many college teams and they're not all right next to an MLS team. Um, I mean, us, for example, we're, we're a two, two and a half hour drive from DC. So, uh, and that's the closest MLS team. Um, that being said, there's more and more games being broadcast online, which is, is surely helpful for the MLS guys. Um, uh, the ACC, for example, just started the, the ACC network this year, and uh, almost all of our games were were live-streamed. Um, the NCAA tournament is now requiring all the games to be live-streamed. Um, so, again, that's that goes back to Sean's point about tournament scouting, but it's better than nothing, I think, for, for the MLS scouts. Um, the other thing is that it's uh, – I mean, I know I, I did a lot of work with the – with the data from the ACC this year and, and putting together the player profiles uh, that you may have seen on Twitter and, and on uh, my blog, but and
0: AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com, um,
2: that as well. And but but Ollie Gage made a, a good point um, to me the other day when we were discussing them. He, he said it's just so difficult sometimes to to look at stats from different players in different conferences uh, yes. and yes. compare them to one another. There's there's not a ton of validity there because everyone plays a different schedule. Strength of schedule is different. Um, uh, I, yeah, think well, I know what?
0: what Wallace Abu Akbar went fifth overall. He went to Dayton. Like, there's no way he played against the same competition as the guys who are at Akron or, you know, UVA or UCLA, right?
2: Right. Guys like him. Um, I, the I, I would the have been interested guys. to see a guy like him or a guy like uh, Joe Holland, who I really liked when we played against Hofstra this year. Um I would have been really interested to see those kind of guys in a more consistently strong conference top to bottom uh, week in week out to see what to have a little bit better of a, a feeling of what their, uh, their impact at the MLS level is going to be. Um, yeah. So it, that complicates the scouting as well. Uh, just the there's 206 division one teams. Um, so it's it's the scheduling and the, the, the level that everyone's playing at is wildly different.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I even remember, I mean, even when you if you ever fill out a bracket for the, NCAA, for the NCAA tournament for the soccer, it's always like, when you're look at, looking at Denver this year, are they going to do well in this tournament? Because, you know, they've been undefeated for like two years, but, uh, you know, look at the conference they're in. And then, of course, they ended up doing well. And then you can translate that to, well, how strong are the players on that team? And if you don't really watch that team, you could easily say, okay, maybe Reagan Dunk. Um, isn't going up against the strongest attackers, so maybe uh, you know he is his profile is a little played I wouldn't say that about Reagan but those questions do need to be raised and thought out. And and it goes back to this about the conference. Not everyone plays in the ACC. ACC is the one conference where you can actually vet a player. Uh, ACC. I'm not sure how it would compare. What would you say, uh, AJ? Like uh, compared to like say USL, where what's the level? of Playing the ACC because I from from what I hear and what I see it it is quite high. Um,
2: I think I mean from a from a top to bottom standpoint in terms of talent, I'm sure the USL is a, a better level. Um, obviously you've got guys that are getting paid, you've got guys that are on their way to MLS, you've got guys that are coming back from MLS. Um, so and from that standpoint, the the professionalism is obviously uh, at a higher level. Um, but you can see from the the number of ACC guys that were taken in the draft uh, so far um, that it the, the talent is certainly certainly there. Um, I think in the first round, there was seven players, um, which was more than twice of any of the other conferences. Uh, so uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself in terms of how, Uh, And obviously I'm biased being in the ACC, but how well our conference is preparing guys to go to the next level.
1: I don't think that's just bias. I don't think a lot of people would argue that ACC is the best soccer conference, at least right now. And I mean, they've had a history of being uh, the best as well. But I mean, I think especially right now, there's not many conferences that could lay claim to anything close to the superiority of the ACC.
2: Yeah. And I think we had we had uh let's see, we had nine teams in the tournament and eight made it to the Sweet Sixteen.
1: Wow. Right. As much as you can glean from uh Right from tournament I results. Yeah. Yeah, in, look at Maryland. In a knockout yeah. tournament
2: you have wild, wild results like Maryland losing their undefeated <laughs> season uh after being up four to one. Right.
0: Craziest game I've ever been to in my entire life. That
1: was a Providence. Wait, you were at the game?
0: I was at that game, yeah. Wow,
1: nice. yeah. Well, it's the Providence, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, it was it was like 30 degrees and probably 20 mile per hour wind. Um, so I, I yeah, feel double. a little bad. I felt a little bad for the goalkeepers because they both allowed in some goals that would have never gone in if it weren't for that intense wind. Um,
2: That's another reason that uh, the college game would prefer our championship to be in May.
0: Yeah, and MLS is, of course, wanting to go to a winter calendar. Yeah. Uh. yeah, it's funny because, obviously, I am have no training as a scout whatsoever, besides having a podcast and um, being outspoken that about counts. things that I have no uh, expertise in. Uh, but like, that counts. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm going to mess up his name, but uh, Chris... Odoi Atsum, who's the defender for Maryland, in that game against Providence, basically handed them a goal because he someone made a back pass to him that he just didn't run to and waited for it to come, and the Providence attacker, striker, took it and went down and scored. And like I saw that, and I knew he was one of the higher-ranked players in top-door soccer, and, to, and then to see him go 12th overall the other day, I mean, it's just like, again, I saw one game that was in insane conditions, but he made an enormous mental error that I don't know how like a player that's ready to play in MLS could do. But then again, what the hell do I know? So it, it's, it's a bizarre... I mean, I think
1: that's a sample size error. I mean, the one mistake can't... I mean, like, that's my fundamental... One of my problems with scouting in general is unless you're scouting... You know, unless you're really doing your due diligence with video, you're 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 making um, in general you're making uh, assumptions based off very little, which is why I think data and scouting need to go hand in hand. You have to be able to, and that's not to say there's nothing that can be seen through video. There's absolutely stuff that can be seen through video, there's plenty. But at the same time, you can make assumptions from video that just aren't true, and if you have data, which over a longer period of time, you know, you can sort of either back that up and say oh you know maybe this is just something that happened in the three games i, I was able to watch before uh you know because no one's able to it's kind of like um, someone once told me that anyone who says that they're uh, an expert in international soccer is a liar like it's impossible it's just impossible to be a connoisseur of every league to watch you know uh all the leagues around the world or even to watch you know all the games within a league it's just impossible
0: Well, and it kind of gets to the overall question of like, you know, I guess it's the blessing and the curse of having college soccer be the major development program for U.S. internationals, which is that the best players end up in the ACC or, you know, generally playing against each other, which in a way is good, right? Because they're going to have the better competition going against each other, so they're going to get better. But at the same time, in a country like the U.S., which is so spread out, you know, I would imagine if a lot of those guys that ended up at Denver, which is a school that you know most people wouldn't think of, I bet ima- a lot of those guys weren't necessarily on the radar until they ended up all there. Or you know, it's how you end up with guys at Dayton and um, I don't know.
1: Well, a lot of them are also people are going out of their way to find international players. That's an interesting sure. part of the soccer of college soccer right now. Is that it's going out and finding people who want a U.S. education. And then bringing in, I'm not going to say ringers, but like it's bringing in international guys. It's, it's interesting that it's now about scouting foreign players uh, as much as it is about finding domestic talent, which mirrors any other league, I would say.
2: Yeah, foreign, foreign guys are starting to see the college game as an avenue to MLS. Uh-huh. Um, they maybe were in a youth system over in Europe somewhere and, and didn't latch on with the first team. So they start looking at the at the college game in the U.S. as a way to get an education and uh, as a springboard into MLS. Whether MLS is their their end all be all and they're happy to play as a pro, or whether they then even plan to try and use MLS as a
0: springboard back to Europe.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a good plan because if fall fails, you still um, get that education to fall back on.
0: For sure. But the best player on the field of that Maryland Providence game was Gordon Wild, who's uh, German, I think, and was arguably the best player in college last year for uh, for Maryland and scored a boatload of goals. Um, I think probably going back to play in Germany or Europe, right? Have you heard anything about that, AJ?
2: I have not. Um, he was a he was a generation Adidas target, from what I heard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays at Maryland, but
0: that's uh, oh, right. I forgot he still had.
2: Yeah, he still has his ability. ability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it happen. Ignacio Maganto Nacho Maganto went back to Europe after he was cut from the Galaxy. Hmm.
0: Okay, cool. Well, should we talk about actually some of these players? Um, uh, did, you, did you? Do you have any insight into ladia I, I assume you haven't seen him play because
2: I have you, not seen him play live. Um, I, I mean, I obviously watched the. Uh, UCLA-Virginia national championship game from 2014, which was right before I came in to the program. Um, and the, the game plan there was uh, he's one of the fastest guys in the country. Don't let him behind you um, or he's going to score. Um, so I, I think he's definitely got some tools um, that you can't necessarily teach. Um, and I, I think the big question for for him might be the staying healthy. Um, he had injury problems over the last couple of years uh, that, that hampered him a little bit. Um, so uh, obviously the talent is there, uh, and he was one of the most dangerous guys in the country as a freshman uh, a couple of years ago, um, and he's only gotten better from that standpoint. But if it's all about whether he can stay healthy, I think.
1: I've seen a couple of games in him live, but UCLA, and with uh, I think he was with Ventura Fusion. Uh, I think in the U.S. Open Cup they came and beat Galaxy 2. and he, I think he had the winning goal. Yeah, he did. I remember interviewing him afterwards. Yeah, he's he's good. He's he's. Um, I I'm not sure how much it, it's it's hard to project into MLS, but I I think he's got a fair shot. I, I'm concerned about him going to Minnesota though, because a striker you know really needs service, and I don't. I think if you can pick one expansion team. Uh, between Atlanta and Minnesota, which one's in trouble right now? I think it's going to be Minnesota. How, uh, what, how many players have, do they have? Sixteen.
0: I think they have fifteen now after the fifteen after the 15 draft. players, yeah. right?
1: And um, they're like a month away from playing soccer. So yeah, uh, I don't think they're going to be a strong team. And, and I think that's kind of important to a, a strikers to have a strong team. There aren't many good strikers that are on bad teams. Uh, you know, and there's there's a reason for that. You need the service. So. Um, Development-wise, that might hamper him, but I guess we'll just see. Yeah. Um,
0: the Timbers Twitter sphere was um, blowing up with hopes that the Timbers would trade up and draft Miles Robinson, uh, who went second overall to Atlanta. He seemed to be the most MLS-ready defender, at least that's the consensus. Again, we have no idea until they actually step on the field. Um but, uh, AJ, you have any thoughts on him or just kind of the defensive players that were available in this draft overall? Um,
2: he's another guy that, strangely enough, uh, even though I've been in the ACC for a couple of years, I haven't seen him live um, because uh, the ACC plays an unbalanced schedule, and, and it just so happens we haven't played Syracuse over the last two years. Um, and, and I've watched him on film a bunch. Um, he, he certainly has the athleticism uh, for MLS. Um, and out of the defenders that were available, I think he's the top in that sense. Um, his passing numbers uh, were pretty solid, um, completing a good amount of passes, playing them forward as opposed to just keeping possession side to side. Um, and he wins a ton of balls in the air. Um, even even in the combine, he showed on the he had the assist on the one goal where he had a diving header that just the ability to get to that ball. Uh, a lot of people don't have. Um, so, again, I think he's one that has some tools you can't teach, and he's he's been pretty highly regarded in the, the U.S. youth system. Um, some of the stuff I've read wonders if he'll be ready to play right away this year, um, as opposed to maybe developing for a year and then coming in in, in 2018. Um, but uh, from, from what I've seen on film, uh, uh, I understand the hype.
0: Uh, any thoughts about the broader defensive players it seemed to be a relatively weak draft overall in terms of defensive talent after after Robinson is that do I get the right impression there
2: yeah. um, the I think the deepest position in the combine and in the draft was right back um, just in terms of the sure number of name. guys that are, are strong <laughs> options there um, I mean from picks 12 13 14 were all there was a run on right backs all of a sudden Um. Between Adoyatsum, Dunk and, and Colton Storm, um, who Which, was a, by the
0: way some of the best names, Adoyatsum, <laughs> Adoy Dunk Storm. I mean that's just phenomenal. Um,
2: Bobby Boswell from DC had a a, a joke for his the kit man at DC. Uh, he was worried that he might not be able to spell the last name for the the uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> um. In terms of center backs, uh, Brandon Aubrey was one of the top center backs in college for sure this year, um, and I think based on the, he's in kind of the same mold as some of the the big strong center backs that have had success recently in the league. Matt Hedges, um, uh, uh, the guy at Colorado, I'm blanking on his name. Draft uh-huh. Uh the, no, the starting center back for Colorado. Oh, Schoberg? The, the Giants. Yes, Schoberg.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: Schoberg. Um, which I'm a little surprised Colorado didn't take Aubrey because they, they love their tall center backs, although they did sign the guy, the the homegrown from uh, Denver, uh, Courtney Ford. Um, but I, I think Aubrey was a victim of the sort of combine curse. Um, yep. He was, he, has terrible he was combine. He was very solid in, in college, um, and I think. Just, he had a, a rough first game at the combine, and, and that hurt him from the beginning. Um, I think he'll be, I think he'll sort himself out in the league when, when he does get his opportunity. Um, it, certainly, if, if you want center backs that are good in the air and can score on set pieces, whether it's with their head or otherwise, uh, he is really dangerous. I mean, teams in the ACC game planned for him on set pieces, um, whether it was uh trying to cover him uh, in the air or not allowing free kicks because he has a a a fantastic both powerful and uh movement on his strike um so from that standpoint uh, if that's what toronto's looking for then uh, that's a fantastic pick um i think based on kind of the hype before the draft uh, the fact that he fell to 21 was was a blessing for toronto
1: yeah, um, absolutely. I was really surprised. I was sitting in the room thinking, "David's next." I mean, like, obviously he's got to be next. And then it went just kept coming. It's just like, man, the combine really matters way more than it should.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that seemed to be the whole thing. I mean, even watching uh, the the TV coverage, Siggy Schmidt, who you know, admittedly, probably is not paying attention to college soccer a lot because he's been coaching. Um, but you know, obviously, that's where he got his. The start, he was pretty much everything he said was based off of the combine. I mean, I guess that's all they have to go off of. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just I hope that they would go off more than that, but who knows? Um, Okay, I'm curious.
1: How much are teams? I don't know if you can speak to this or not. But how much are MLS teams in contact with you, looking for you know? Because you know, if if you can't go to games personally, I mean, I imagine having people who do watch the leagues is, is having somebody to talk to is, you know, is good. And especially someone who's on the stat side, are, are there clubs that talk to you and get your opinion? Um,
2: there's, there's been clubs that have reached out to me uh, either people that I, I have as contacts uh, in the league or um, otherwise that have reached out to see if I can share any data. Um, the, the, we've had coaches also uh, reach out to the the other coaches on our staff um, because all three of them played in MLS at some point in their careers. So um, they, they have a, we're we're lucky to have that kind of experience in our staff. Um, So there's, there's always a lot of coaches will do their, their due diligence um, in terms of, of asking about guys, whether it's guys on your team or uh, in your conference or that you played against um, more so if you already have a, an existing relationship with the, the MLS guys. Um, uh, I don't know that they're just kind of cold calling anybody, but um, right. from from what I've experienced, they, they'll, they'll ask your opinion.
1: Well, I mean, for better or for worse, that is scouting and relationships go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I would say a, a lot for worse, <laughs> but um, uh, a lot of the times it's going to be based on who brings who to, you know, hey, I like this player because it's, you know, it's your player. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's smart of MLS teams. that If they're if we're not going to be able to watch the leagues, they shouldn't be relying on the combine. They should be reaching out to these clubs and talking yeah. with them about their, those players.
2: And I think, I think Ziggy alluded to it a little bit on the coverage as well, that, that uh, you kind of get a, uh, a network of college coaches that you trust their opinion, uh, as opposed to some guys that are maybe going to oversell their own players. Um, right which is it's the same for us uh, recruiting kids from the the club level uh, there's the same kind of thing there's guys that you you trust and there's guys that blow a little bit of smoke and and you have to kind of that's part of your job as a scout or as a coaching staff is to to see through the the smoke there
0: how much uh, we're getting out in the weeds now but how much of like maybe not if if not you then um, the other coaches how much are they? much time are they spending trying to identify talent from high schools or clubs or whatever um, to recruit for UVA? Is that like, is it kind of a lower level version of the same thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for for college coaching staffs. Recruiting is, is pretty much your whole, uh, your whole life outside of the season. Um, In terms of the way you get good is by bringing in good recruits um, with with only having a limited time to develop players, um, uh, there's you kind of have to strike a balance between bringing in guys that can contribute right away and and bringing in guys that are maybe going to be a one or two year project.
0: Fascinating. Um Let's uh, let's keep moving. Uh, I heard a, oh, sorry to,
2: to, to just add on to that and, and right, go yeah. out on a limb a little bit, but the I heard a, a thing recently about the Alabama football team that they don't. The the way they got so good was they're recruiting and now they've gotten to the point that they, they don't recruit,
0: they select. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and football is really interesting because most of the football coaches are all the highest paid public employees in their respective States. (laughs) Um, And yeah, there's a a whole lot that goes into that. Um, Not to presume, but I'm imagining that you and your fellow uh, colleagues there at UVA are not the, uh, High-speed people at the university. Um, no, un- <laughs> unfortunately not.
1: Yeah, I uh, drove by Bob Stoops' mansion this Christmas, and um, it legitimately—he's lo- got like a castle. Like uh, it, it looks like it was designed to be look like Disneyland. <laughs> it's got like this. You you can Google Bob Stoops, I guess. Bob Stoops is—he's coach for OU. Bob Stoops is the house. Um, you can find it, it, he's got like um. I don't know what those roofs are for, for castles, but um, those little pointy ones, but he's got like a couple of those, and it's just like, he built himself a castle out here in Oklahoma. Like he...
0: <laughs> well, and, and uh, Nick Saban for Alabama, I believe his house was bought and paid for by the Booster Club for Alabama football. Um, you know, this is a guy that's making millions of dollars. And he is, that hit... is that allowed? <laughs> Dude, as long as he's not giving the students any money, then I think they can pretty much do whatever they want. Just make sure they're not signing autographs or, uh, trying to get some free tacos or something. We'll right, have to yeah. Suspend them. Um, but that is a whole other can of worms. Uh, let's, uh, any other, any other players, AJ, that you want to touch on that you think are, are poised to do well or maybe went too high or, um, Maybe we're taken a little later than you expected. That might be a good value pick.
2: Um, I was a little surprised Joe Holland went so high for for uh, from Hastra to go number ten into the Dynamo. Although I was a very big fan of him when we played them. Um, uh, obviously Oliver I must have watched our game. Um, the uh he. He is a guy that I'll be very interested to follow. Um, Like I said, being being at Hofstra, he wasn't in one of the the top RPI conferences in the country, but Hofstra's been a very solid team the last few years, Um, uh, obviously due in large part to him. Um, uh, But I did really like him as a a number 10 box-to-box as well, covers a ton of ground, sort of did what he wanted, and and he caused us a lot of problems until we got a little bit tighter to him. Yeah. Daniel Johnson will be good I think. Uh, he sort of rocketed up the board with his performance at the combine. Um, uh, but he was he was a guy you always had to keep an eye on uh, in the ACC. Um, some value guys. Uh, I think Zico Lewis falling to 17 was surprising and Jacory Hayes falling to 18. Um, I think
1: surprising to Zico too. Um, yeah, he wasn't yeah, talking too happy to speak. About it. <laughs> For for the uh, listeners, um do we have the his exact um Speech because he uh, he was not pleased. I've never seen such a passive-aggressive uh, acceptance speech. Uh, he basically said, like, uh, at least someone believes in me.
0: First off, I'd like to
1: thank New York Red Bulls for drafting me. I'm glad they have faith in me. At least somebody at this draft does. So I encourage <laughs> everybody else to keep their head up. Being selected this late isn't the end of the world. This makes me have to show everybody that I'm going to prove you guys wrong for drafting me this late.
2: Yeah. He made mention, too, that, that when he plays against some of the teams that were further up the board, that, that they're going to look at the scoreboard and regret not taking him. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he, he certainly has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he played that way, and it, and it, it helped him for sure. Um, scrolling down the board as well, um, Brian Wright was a handful when we played Vermont in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'll be, be very interested to see how he does. Um,
0: what conference is Vermont in?
2: They were in the America East.
0: Duh, Drew.
2: Which which they... That was an interesting conference this year. They were strong, and UMass Lowell was very strong, but UMass Lowell was not allowed to make the tournament. Yeah, Uh, what
1: was up with that? Their RPI was really high.
2: They they recently transitioned from Division 2 into Division 1, and there's a... I believe it's a four-year waiting period where you're not allowed to play um, in postseason. Partially because uh, the Division II schools tend to have some older guys, um, based on the eligibility requirements and, and things like that, that, that differ from Division I. Um,
1: oh, you uh, do team of 30 year example, old
2: so. The example would be uh, Wilito Fernandez, who was a UMass Lowell guy uh, who was in the Combine, who is about to turn 27.
1: <laughs> my goodness, that is pretty old for college. Um, Chris uh-oh. Winky
2: style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just looking at the rest of the the way down the board, um, Aaron Jones from Clemson. I mean, again, I I'm talking mostly about the ECC guys, but that's where my experience is. Um, he didn't play against us; he was injured, but uh, he was a solid right back all year for Clemson. Um, a little surprised that Philly would take him with Keegan Rosenberry. Um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what their plan is for him. Um, and then I, I, I liked Jalen Brown when we played Xavier. Um, I, I think he's a, a solid fit for New York's system. Um, and then it, we put... Any thoughts
0: him. on Ebo Bise? For Duke?
2: Um, he was an interesting story skipping the college season this year. Um, yeah. Signing with MLS and then kind of going on loan to um, uh, Charleston, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was he was. So you, did, you
0: probably didn't see him, then, right? Even though, right? We played against.
2: Uh, he played against us in 2015. Uh, scored okay. a goloso on us, um, off of a corner. He just turned and hit a left-footed volley that was was unbelievable. Um, his left foot is is fantastic. If he gets a, a chance to hit a hit a shot with it, um, from an athleticism standpoint, it, he's definitely got the tools. Um, I think will He's another one that I'll, I'll be interested to see how he does. Um, uh, particularly with uh, Fernando Adi being out there as well. I wonder if, if is he sort of the backup? Is he the succession plan for Adi? What what's the the outlook there?
1: I'll be curious what uh, San Jose. Uh, San Jose had a really high pick and they went for Yule, and that's not a Dom Dwyer. I mean, that's not a um, a Dom. Not Dom Dwyer. Dom Canier pick at all. Um, uh, not really a box. I mean, not really. A, the, the when San Jose says two-way, what they mean is basically defender first. And he's not really that. <laughs> and uh, uh, that some there was a pretty funny tweet from a guy who covers uh, the earthquakes who said, "With uh, the between Yule and uh, Thompson, uh, Reno is going to have a pretty good team this year. Reno being their yeah their USL affiliate." So um, yeah, I'd be interested what the heck they were thinking drafting. Maybe are they turning over a new leaf because that new um, GM for them is bringing in a lot of attacking talent. Is are they going to actually going to try attempt to play soccer this this time around? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious what San Jose is up to.
2: I wouldn't get your hopes up. (laughs) Um, I think the other the the couple to be interested uh, to watch will be the the Canadian GA guys, um, Mm -hmm. Reed and Mm -hmm. Shom, and and how far they dropped, Um, uh, especially the piece that that we had on ASA with uh, myself and Aaron Nielsen. He's uh, sort of uh, an expert on some of the Canadian guys, and and he was not very happy that those guys fell that far. Um, So I I think it'll be – and the fact that they signed GA contracts –
0: uh, with yeah, the, I mean it's a free, you it's would, a free, you know, sort of a free player. Right. You, you would think, think that they maybe would
2: player. have gone higher, but but maybe that's a situation where uh, the teams didn't didn't have enough scouting on them and, and didn't really know what they were getting into.
1: I was in, it's interesting. I don't know if this was just a weak class. There were not many goalkeepers drafted in this draft at all. I think there were two. Um, Barrel
2: from Wake Forest, um, and then and I think you. From Monmouth.
0: Yeah, Marmoth, yeah. Uh, and Cleveland and from Louisville. Yeah.
1: Okay, so three.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would recommend everybody, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes, but uh, Bill Reno wrote a piece for us, I think it was before the draft last year, about just how terrible teams are at using the draft to get goalkeepers. Um, I think it's about half the goalkeepers on MLS rosters right now when uh, that went to college when undrafted. Wow. Um, it's pretty Pretty bananas, but yeah, the, the, ta- the ability to spot talent for goalkeepers seems to be especially terrible in, in the college game. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, AJ.
2: Um, I think the, the strength of schedule stuff uh, applies to that sometime, in some way. Um, if you've got a guy who's uh, on a team who's strong defensively or, or playing weaker opponents and he never really gets shots, then his numbers look great in terms of shutouts and the like, but it's tough to sort of scout them in that sense, unless you've seen a training session or, or something along those lines. Um, I think the the combine is, again, three days of, of watching guys in an unfamiliar situation. So that can be tough as well. Um, and then I think the the, the goalkeeper is a, a very interesting position for guys trying to go to the next level because there's uh, – do you want to get into a situation where maybe you're the you're the number two on the MLS team but the, also the number one on the USL team um, uh, how does that situation sort of work uh, is an interesting one for guys coming out of college as well
1: yeah definitely and I would also imagine I mean, we're, we're talking about position that you have to generally there's your, you have your own coach there's a goalkeeper coach you know there's not really a striker coach well maybe sometimes but I mean But, like, it is very specialized. Imagine scouting a goalkeeper with all the specialized knowledge you have to have to to even recognize a good goalkeeper technique-wise from a bad one. We can all see the spectacular saves and whatnot. But, like, understanding what, you know, the positioning, the techniques and all that, that's probably outside of the knowledge of a lot of the people who are scouting college in general because they're not former goalkeepers. So that's probably has something to do with it as well.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where, and I imagine this is probably true of defenders as well. But it's one of those things where you can't necessarily trust the stats, you know, just because he has 500 saves right. doesn't mean he's actually a good shot stopper. It may mean that he has a terrible defense, or you know, just because a defender has a million tackles, maybe that just means he's because he's late to every ball. Um, it's it's one of those things where. You know, the analytics isn't necessarily there yet, where we can make a determine you know determine whether lots of numbers and, means good or maybe it means bad even.
1: And back to Bill, I think this is something we see in MLS. I he wrote a great piece on Andre Blake, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, c- criticizing him being um, the goalkeeper of the year, uh, yeah. seeing that it was more of a pick about people who were looking at the flashy stops and not miss, and missing a lot of what makes him. Uh, a raw talent, let's say.
0: Any, uh, any last thoughts you guys want to throw out there about the draft? Any, um, any thoughts on how the, how the teams acted? I mean, we've talked a lot about it with the players, but it's, you know, maybe the most obvious is that clearly two different formulas that uh, Minnesota and Atlanta are taking to team development. Um,
1: have money and not have money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I I think it goes beyond that, though, right? I mean, they're just clearly two very different philosophies on how to build a team. Um, You saw that in the expansion draft as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah,
0: Minnesota is actually reminding me a lot of how the Timbers went about it. In that, you know, they took their top draft pick um, in the in the draft. They kind of used the expansion draft to get a lot of their guys. I mean, the best at the start of the Timbers expansion season. The best player on the team was Jack Jewsbury, which to take nothing away from him, but you know he's not someone to build a franchise around necessarily, uh, and that kind of feels like what's happening. Maybe with I, I probably don't know enough about Ibarra, but he, he doesn't necessarily seem like a guy that's going to be able to carry a team. Um, conversely, conversely, you look at Atlanta and they've got you know a, a coach who's world renowned, um, at least well known, and they've got Plenty of DPs, they had, you know, what, they had four draft picks at one point that they ended up trading. Um, it's just, that maybe it's just the fact that they appear to be more active, um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, and then you think about NYCFC, who's probably kind of the precursor to Atlanta, maybe I'm reading too much into things, but, and they're to the point where they're just like buying draft picks for, you know, buckets of money. I don't know. Well,
1: I mean, Atlanta's interesting because I'm so as someone I like to as a hobby scout South America, um, and I've always thought value-wise that's where you're going. They're not really doing the value scouting of South America that I think MLS team should doing. They're going for the big picks, but at the same time I think that they could be the standard bearer for what I think teams should be doing more, which is investing in South America. Because when you look at the returns teams get out of South America, they're fairly high. Um, I mean, there there have been some notable misses, and especially um, from the Argentinian league, which is rather interesting, being with it being such a good league. But um, and that is where they're going. Good to successes much.
0: there too, though.
1: Absolutely, it's very been very hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it, yeah, it'll be interesting because I think a lot of teams um, will fall into the small sample size if it works, then that's the way we should do it. If it doesn't work, then clearly that was the wrong way, Atlanta. Uh, We shouldn't go that way, because clearly, look, it failed for Atlanta, so it's not going to work for us. So um, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Atlanta as someone who wants to see more scouting of South America from MLS.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, right, which is, I think, generally... You know, if if it's the type of guys that teams like Atlanta are bringing in, then these are guys that are probably going to be higher on the, the pay scale for MLS. Um, and I think there's a lot of side benefits that MLS can offer where guys want to move to the United States and there's other, other opportunities. And it just seems like a, you kind of think about Columbia, too, which is a league that I think a lot of people kind of believe is, you know, maybe a half step below MLS but there's lots of Colombian players that are probably making less than they would make in America, um, but can definitely hang in MLS. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's a long way of saying
1: I agree. Yeah, post is value central.
0: Uh, AJ, any uh, any thoughts to wrap up the draft? Um,
2: no, it'll be – the the thing I'm keeping an eye on is what, what teams do on Tuesday with the, the – Yeah, any
0: any, any names that you're – Thinking about that should, or maybe uh, we should keep an eye out for, um, for the next two rounds? I'm
2: curious to see if if Tucker Hume, the brother of Walker Hume, uh, who, who went to Dallas. Um, I'm curious to see if Tucker is taken. Uh, Walker is the center back. Tucker is the forward. Um, basically, the the same type of player, just at the opposite ends of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see if if somebody takes a chance on him. Um and then to to see sort of what the like we were just talking about what the strategy is from some teams. Um, I mean, I, I think in the past there's been teams that uh, essentially just pass on their picks,
0: which is yeah. I mean, I was looking at last year's and I think a majority of teams passed on their fourth round pick. They didn't even bother.
1: Which is to me crazy because why would you? I mean, there were so many successes throughout. I mean, I don't have the list, but I was looking through it at the draft. There's so many successes of third and fourth round picks that you know really came out of nowhere and. Went on to become integral players, and yeah. so I mean there, there might be some cost. You don't want them on the the roster, or you have to I don't know. But it seems just um, if money's not a problem, bring them bring them out. And I mean, worst comes to worst, you cut them, right?
2: Or you or you stash them on your USL team and see how they do for a year or two,
1: right? But I feel like if you you'd have to still have to use use a roster slot on them then. Yeah. But yeah, that's true.
0: It. I mean, it's literally, yeah. What is the, why would you pass when you can take a player? I don't, I don't get it.
2: Or potentially trade it to a team who does want the pick.
1: I'm not sure you're going to get much value out of a fourth round trade, Trading a fourth round pick, especially if they know you're going to pass anyway. Because once you pass, you're, you can't pick you're anymore. Done, yeah. So, Yeah.
0: I think the Timbers just traded for a fourth-round pick. I can't remember what they oh, it was like—some gamer Tam or something. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's as you said, there's lots of examples of guys that nobody thought was going to be any good that were picked late. And what's the downside? Anyway, um,
1: well, I mean, uh, I think the we'd be remiss not to talk about the big, in my opinion, the big trade uh, of the draft, which was AJ De La Garza going to. Mm-hmm the Dynamo. And um, I think that is, for the Dynamo, a cr- incredible trade. Incredible trade. Um, uh, they they also picked up an international spot from Portland, which was a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, it'll probably depend on how their 10 works, but uh, I mean, they picked the guy from Hofstra. But I think uh, getting AJ for that back line and that back line has been, um, needs some work from from last year. I think... AJ can do a lot for them. And here in Galaxyland, people... I know someone who was sent home because he was crying when, when he when he heard about the trade. And, like, they had to send him home. Who was? I know someone who had to be sent home because he was crying.
0: Oh, yeah. okay.
1: Well, I don't know. Sorry. Like, on the I, team? I know someone who knows someone. Sorry. I know someone who knows
0: someone who had to be sent home and was crying. Just some random person, or is this no, someone No, about, that... about AJ.
1: About, um, here in Galaxyland, people are very upset that AJ was was traded. AJ is a... Yeah. Like, huge fan favorite. And um there's not a lot of confidence in the Galaxy right now from Galaxy fans. Um now I think if they use this money opened up to go out and get Jonathan Dos Santos or something maybe if they needed it for the maybe that'll turn around but um right now people are not happy. Especially as if the germ perception is true that they did this so they could sign Jermaine Jones for for $500,000 uh then yeah, that's um, a bit insane on the Galaxy's part. But on Houston's part, it's an incredible pickup.
0: AJ, how does it feel to have a fellow AJ be traded in the league? And I know you're <laughs> in close contact with your fellow AJs. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: believe well. it or not, I actually played against AJ De La Garza growing up. Um, nice. uh, growing up in Maryland, uh, he was a Maryland guy as well. Um, so it's, it's, I mean... It's always good to see guys named AJ being successful. Um, hopefully someday in the future I join him in the league.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget us once once you're there. Uh, Sean, so, I mean, you, you kind of said it all, but let me just put it to a T. Uh, as I wrote in the notes, the Galaxy, they had zero draft picks. Gerard's gone. Keen's gone. Landon Donovan's gone. AJ Garza has gone. Bruce Arena is gone, Mike McGee is gone, and it looks like Alan Gordon's probably signing elsewhere not as well. Not just
1: Arena, his entire staff.
0: Right. Yeah, the whole coaching staff. Um, so what the what the heck's going on down there, man?
1: Um, they say they're 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 not missing a step, and they're trying to compete for MLS Cup next year. I think that will depend highly on who they get as their GP.
0: And, and Donald Trump's going to bring coal back as a major American industry.
1: <laughs> right, so we'll, I'm sure, I, I do think it'll depend on the midfield I think Dos Santos is a fine striker um, If you have Zardes, I think Zardes and Dos Santos will be a, a good striker pairing You just have to have someone who can provide service And I think that will depend on who they get for the midfield um, But all in all, they're not in terrible position Even with losing and AJ, they have a strong back line I mean, I knock on Daniel Stairs a lot, but he's he's not terrible. So, And, and if that's your weak link, then that's a good back line. Um, you know, Ashley Cole had a good season last year. Robbie Rogers, of course, is good. Um, and
0: Cole's going to be back?
1: Yes. For, well, uh, from what it sounds like, I don't have, like, uh, I haven't heard uh, yes or no on that, but it sounds like it is. And then, of course, Yellow Van Damme, um, you know, pr- my opinion, the best defender in the league right now Uh is you know it, coming back is going to be uh, tremendous for that back line.
0: Interesting. Any any other uh, any other teams you guys want to touch on? I guess probably this these coming weeks are when we'll probably see any major trades. I would imagine.
1: So we're not going to do winners and losers of the draft, Drew.
0: <laughs> I think we all win, <laughs> and uh, the losers are everyone listening to this podcast still.
1: Yeah. Anyone who tuned in to a, how how long was the draft? It was.
0: It was so long. I, I I tweeted at one point. I think it was there were 12 picks in and it had been like 70 minutes or something. Yes, yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah it was it was nearly four hours. I think. Yeah. And it was, was only two rounds.
1: It, it was a freezing room too. I was in the room having to sit there and freeze. Uh, it was kind of incredible. I did get. Um, I'm sure we'll play it. or we have already played. I got to. Um, I was in a media scrum with Don Garber and I asked him about statistics and he gave some interesting uh, answer. I don't know if we you, if you want to play this now, if we've already played it. I'm not the producer. Yeah, we'll plug it in right here. We're seeing clubs throughout Europe using data more and more. I was wondering if that's a direction you think uh, MLS will be going in the yeah, in I, years. We're, we're
2: investing massively in data. I think you're going to start seeing more and more kids like, uh, like Tim Bestuchenko who came out of our data room and work in our player group And, uh, you know, he took a team to a championship in a couple of years. So uh, if you're a young kid studying, uh, you know, math in in school and you want to be in the sports business, you know, spend your time thinking about data analytics because it's an important part of, you know, what's happening in our sport, every sport.
1: Hi, gentlemen. What do we think about um, what what garbage is? I
0: I haven't listened to it yet.
1: Of course you (laughs) haven't. Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't. Um, Fine producing, as always. Um but yeah basically um he, it it he he had a good answer i mean and it wasn't um you talk about that the league is you know uh the league is investing in sta which you know people are start saying that just means they're paying a lot for not, for opta, which is mm-hmm. true but it's he was informed on the topic, which is refreshing to me it wasn't i mean you can maybe it was some b s from him but at the same time it was informed b s Which is
0: well. First of all, Don Garber would never BS anybody. Second of all, (laughs) I actually think that this is. Again, this is one of those places where MLS has an opportunity to lead the world, right? Like, we can have you know, in a lot of ways, it's like the uh, the video replay stuff that they've been experimenting with, right? This is something that, at a relatively low cost, this is a place where MLS can be ahead of the world for multiple reasons. Like, first of all, obviously, there's the bizarre. Bias against you know using analytics in the beautiful game because beauty can't be measured by numbers right and I think that's a place where if you know if we acknowledge that that's complete and under BS then um we're, we're playing without the handicap that the rest of the world at least a lot of the rest of the world has and it's relatively beauty?
1: cheap you mean beauty
0: sure sorry uh, sorry that was
1: an easy joke sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but and again it's cheap right like it, if someone, if some team, I know there are multiple MLS teams that do not have full time analytics staff, but I'm sure AJ would happily, happily, well, I don't want to speak for him some, maybe I'm talking about AJ De La Garza now, but would happily take a job at an MLS team where they could make, you know, as much as a rookie MLS player. And that money is so much more well spent than dropping millions of dollars on, I don't know, Lucas Milano, um, or innocent, right? Like, it's just, again, it's a place where there's so much room for innovation. It's relatively low cost. It's like America's infrastructure, right? Our roads are crumbling. We can pay a little bit of money now, or a lot of money now, but it's gonna be so much cheaper than waiting another decade or two. Uh, when we're gonna just have to start from scratch again?
1: Why don't we? Well, with self-driving cars, the cars can just uh, avoid the potholes. So I think they not... can just lay,
0: lay the cement down in front of them as they drive over it. Well, I think they'll avoid the like potholes. Wily coyote style. They'll
1: avoid the potholes. I don't think you're thinking innovatively enough about how lazy we can be about our infrastructure. That's the beauty of technology. We can we can bypass so many of the faults of humanity. Well, I don't know how to argue with that.
2: Does that mean teams are going to be self-analyzing at some point?
1: Oh, gosh, yes, with machine learning in yet, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, AI is going to take over the world. I mean, we're... AI is going to... The smartest thinkers in the world eventually are just going to be computers. So, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to have... we be watching robot soccer um, analyzed by, you know, robot computers, that's not a thing, and <laughs> robot computers. Yeah, so that's the future of soccer, so everyone should just get used to it now.
0: Pretty soon, soccer will just be a game based out of Excel spreadsheets. It'll be a math
1: equation. That's always yeah. been our goal at ASA. If we can state soccer in a math equation, we will have, and ruin it for everyone else, we will have one. Analytics can shut down. We will have won. Game over. <laughs> soccer is M to the M squared plus, you know, it's something like that. It's got to be something beautiful, you know, like equals MC squared. It's got to be simple and clean. Uh, it can't be too convoluted. But if we can get it, that's that's the dream, boys.
0: Wow. I can't think of a better way to end this podcast. Can you guys? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, Okay, so uh, we usually don't do this, but I'm going to ask people, if you don't mind, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. I recently checked our ratings, and two jerks gave us one-star ratings. Uh, They didn't have the guts to leave a comment or identify themselves so that we can't hunt them down and kill them. But if someone else wouldn't, or maybe two people wouldn't mind counteracting those with five-star ratings, um, we would be greatly appreciative. Uh, you can follow Sean at Sean Stefan. And don't give one-star uh,
1: ratings. If you don't like us, don't give us a review.
0: Yeah, unsubscribe. If, if you don't like us, maybe we're not your cup of tea. That's fine. Um, How dare you partake in, in this democracy?
1: Loss. How dare you partake in democracy?
0: Yeah, and by the way, Bruce Arena, <laughs> don't you have better things to do than <laughs> listen to stupid podcasts? Come on. Uh, uh. You can follow AJ at AJ Barnold. I am at Drew J Olson. Our ASA account is at Analysis Evolved,
1: and our ASA parody account is Analysis Devolved.
0: Yeah, that one hasn't been super active lately. No, it hasn't.
1: I don't know what those guys are doing.
0: Man, I was super excited when there was a parody account for Matt Doyle, and then it turned out that person was a racist, sexist, horrible person. Yeah, did I you know. catch that? Yeah, it's really a shame. They had yeah. some. They started out so promising, and then it yeah got out of hand. They certainly, <laughs> and I did. had to block them.
1: <laughs> did they have? They been uh, do they still exist? I
0: I blocked them because they started posting horrible sexist things, and I just couldn't couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Um. So I have no idea.
1: Hopefully, squares uh, on that because because that's the opposite of what Matt Doyle is. So, it's,
0: yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, that's the. I guess that's the.
1: Maybe but. that's the joke. If it is, it's a tasteless one. But yeah, I don't.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that the world needs more parody accounts of analytics, though. Like the uh the Opta parody accounts are mostly phenomenal. <laughs> so. I think we need more of those in American soccer. Um, cool. Um. Other than that, I guess uh, we will be back at a future date to um, talk about all the AJ news that there is to uh, talk about. Uh, We need more AJs in MLS. Yeah. And analytics, I think. Well, maybe not analytics. You don't want too much competition. There there can only be one. um, (laughs) There's only one in our hearts. Uh, AJ, say goodbye. Bye. Sean, say goodbye.
1: Weren't there two Highlanders? I've never seen Highlanders. I've never understood this. Weren't there two
0: Highlanders? And we're out of time. Uh, Toodles, folks.
2: Take mm-hmm.